Father, thank you today for your word. Jesus, we so love you. Thank you for being in the house today. Thank you for walking among us. And uh, just thanks for loving us. Thank you for coming in here today and just and just open up our hearts and open up our minds so we can see you and so we can know you more. Father, as we continue this series about overcoming, Father, we thank you that you have called us to be overcomers. God, that's not some wishful thought. It's a, it's a kingdom reality. And so, Lord, we thank you that that kingdom reality, God, would begin to God, go deep in our hearts, God, and just be planted. Not only would it be planted, but, God, it would flourish and grow and produce great fruit. Lord, we want to honor you with our lives. And so, Lord, today, Father, thank you that if there's anything, God, that's, um, that's just from the enemy, that's just hanging us up, that's got us entangled, thank you for cutting us loose today. Thank you for setting us free. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, listen, this morning we're going we're gonna to wrap up our current series that we've entitled Overcomers. And uh, if you're taking notes this morning, this is part five. Let's read one more time our foundational verse that's in Revelation 12, chapter 10, or chapter 12, verse 10 through 11. It says this, it says, For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them or accuses us before our God day and night, has been hurled down. He's been body slammed says in verse 11, it says that they overcame, that we overcame, that we conquered, we prevailed against the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. That's good news, isn't it? So listen, once again, this verse is a reminder that God, uh, that when God called us, he also equipped us to be overcomers and of what? To literally overcome every trial, once again, every temptation, every lie, every attack, every scheme that the enemy would ever throw at us. Do you understand that? Every single one, not, not, not 10%, not 20%, not 30%, but Jesus died so that we could be overcomers, so that we could overcome them 100% of the time. Great news, right? So listen, but as I've said over the past few weeks, that even though that is a biblical truth that we are overcomers, once again, how many of you know that just because we have been positioned and we've been called and we've been equipped to be overcomers, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of us are living like one. So true. So, you know, over the past few weeks, I've given you a, a few reasons or a few thoughts of, of kind of why we get hung up and why we, we just can't get over that hump and become overcomers. And today I want to give you one more before we uh, get into the message. I think it's because of this. I think maybe, possibly, we are not the overcomers that God has called us to be because we might be too passive. Because we might be too passive. You know, in, in the almost 20 years now that I've been a pastor, I've seen so many people that just accept what is happening to them. It's like the, the enemy unleashes his wrath, and they just sit back and just kind of take it. And, uh, you know, it's like when, when he's unloading on them, they, 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 don't, they don't even offer any kind of resistance. Right, They don't fight against him. And we know that there's a, obviously a biblical truth that what Paul said, he simply said, if you resist the devil, he will, but yet we don't do it. <laughs> Right. You you know, while I was thinking about this this week, I just thought about this, you know, this whole idea about being passive. And and I feel like I just want to ask you a question today, kind of put it in, kind of bring it from some, you know, maybe, uh, you know, concept to kind of bring it down to our world to make it really practical. And and here's the thought that I have is this, is that what would happen if if all of us knew that tonight at three o'clock in the morning, an intruder or a thief was going to break into our house? Like we knew, we do, man, we, we, you know, we, we got good intel and we knew at three o'clock in the morning, man, he's coming in. Now, now, what would we do? Would we, would we say, you know what, man, I am scared to death. I'm going to grab a few valuables and, and, and I'm going to run for my life. 
Or, or we would say, man, I'm just scared. I'm going to get in my room. And like, like when I was a kid and I was scared of the dark, I'm going to put the covers over my head and I'm just going to hide. And, and, and if I can't see them, then maybe they can't see me. Right? Or, or, or will we do this? Or will we, or will we meet him at the door? Are, are you with me? So, so let me give you, you know, just while I was thinking about this, let me give you two real life examples of what I'm talking about here. So natural, we'll swing it to the spiritual. But, but this, years ago, I, I called my mom and, and I found out that, that my mom said that basically like, I don't know, like a few weeks before I was talking to her, that in the middle of the night, she, she, she was woke up because there was some, uh, basically she heard some banging, some loud noise outside. And uh, when she went to the, the, the windows on the second story of a house, she looked out the window and she saw a man breaking into our building. And, and, and here's what's so wild. It wasn't just any man. She knew who he was. She, she, she knew it was a, a guy that grew up with me that I went to school with that basically uh, got older, got addicted to drugs, and now he was basically just stealing stuff just so he, could, so he could fix his habit, right? And so anyways, obviously she's standing there, and, and she's kind of faced with a few, few thoughts, right? She, she's sitting there thinking, okay, um, a few facts, shall I say, that she's sitting there going, okay, I know I'm home alone. I didn't live at home anymore. My dad and my, or my stepdad and my brother, they were at the hunting club, okay? So she's home alone in the wee hours of the morning, and, and here she is. She's going, okay, if I, if I call the cops, uh, we live so far out in the country, there's no way that they're actually going to get here in time to actually get the guy, right? So, so anyway, so she, she was just kind of going, okay, I, I, got, I got two options here. I can do this. I can either confront the thief, right, or I can stand passively and watch him steal thousands of dollars of tools and equipment from us. You know what she did? Fear gripped her, and uh, she just, she did what? She was paralyzed by fear, and she just accepted the fact that we were getting robbed. And she sit there, angry as can be, and just watched the guy do his thing. Are y'all following me? Now, on the flip side, um, one time I was visiting my grandmother. Y'all got to love a grandmother. This morning, y'all had a grandma walk by me and slap me on the butt, by the way, at church. Lord Jesus, help them. All right, so anyways... Only at church. Anyway, so anyways, one time I, I was visiting my grandmother, and uh, she lived in downtown Birmingham, not in a safe place at all. And, and I found out that a few weeks prior to my visit, uh, that once again, she was jarred awake in the middle of the night, very similar thing. Somebody was trying to get in her front door. So they were literally grabbing a hold of the handle, shaking that thing. And, and so instead of pulling the covers overhead and passivity, here's what she did. She walked over there, she grabbed her thirty-eight. Bless God, right? She got her 38. She walked into the living room with her moo-moo on. Y'all know what I'm saying? And she aimed that gun at the door, and she fired off two rounds right into the front door. Pow, pow. Here's what's funny. They said, Quentin, go out there on the porch and see what's on the porch. I, I, of course, I, you know, I saw the holes in the door, and I opened the door. And I looked on the ground, and she had like she had a basically a concrete porch, right? That uh, is painted, and on that porch there was a mark that long where homeboy sneaker, and he literally burned out, taking off, running away. That is hilarious. So watch this. So with my mom, guess what? They stole everything we got, and on the other one, man, they 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 ran for their life. Right? So, so once again, take those two things in the context that we're talking about spiritual warfare, and listen to what Peter said. Once again, 3 o'clock in the morning, Peter said this, stay alert. I'll get that, stay alert. 
stay alert. That means sometimes, it doesn't mean when you come to church, church, church. It means to stay alert, right? All the time. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Once again, we may not know what time the thief is coming, but we know he's coming. That's what he's saying, right? And he says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Here's the point that I want to make. In this life, we can either choose to be passive towards the devil, like my mom, and allow him to lie to us, to torment us, to make us miserable, to trap us in bondage, to overwhelm us, and ultimately ruin our lives, even as Christians. Or we can stand our ground like Grandma, bless God, and we can stand there in our God-given authority, and we become the overcomers that we've been called to be. That's what this series has been about. It simply is that you and I would quit being passive towards the enemy and quit letting him have his way in our lives. And we would stand our ground and say, you know what, I'm going to meet you at the front door. Because we've got to understand something today, guys. It, it is a whole lot easier to meet that thief at the front door than it is to drag him out of the house after he's been in it for a while. Right? And some of us are fighting for our lives trying to drag his butt out of the house. It's because we let him in. Let's just shut the devil's door, y'all. Amen? Let's shut the devil's door. All right, so for the past few weeks, let's shift gears here. We, we've been talking about this. We've been talking about overcoming religion. Because you've got to remember, let, let me just hop right here and say this. You've got to remember that just because you got saved and you got bro, you know, set free from the bondage of sin, it doesn't mean that the enemy is going to roll over and play dead. What he's going to try to do is, once again, to shift tactics in your life. He's going to try to bring bondage in your life in another way. And so what we've been talking about is overcoming that bondage or that spirit of religion, overcoming poverty, a poverty mindset. It's not about money. Once again, it's condition of the heart. Overcoming confusion, overcoming guilt. And today we want to end it with this. I was going to end last week, but I felt like I needed to talk about this today. And so we're here. So I want to talk about this. I want to turn our attention to another weapon that the enemy likes to use. It's a very crafty, and it, man, it eats our lunch, but it's this. It's called discouragement. It's called discouragement. Man, this is so true. So as we dive in this morning, I just want to start off and give you a few practical thoughts, kind of foundational thoughts, and then we'll, we'll get it, okay? So first of all, I believe this. I think we would all agree that disappointment, notice I didn't say discouragement, I said disappointment is a part of life. That disappointment is a part of life. The reason is because there's not a single one of us in this room that gets what we want when we want it. Amen? Amen? So listen, so none of us, you might not want to say that too loud, brother. Anyway, so that's when you just kind of go, amen, amen. So listen, so none of us are immune from being disappointed. It's just facts of life, right? So, so the, the issue today is not about being disappointed. Uh, the issue is this, is, is how we handle disappointments when they come. Yeah. That's where the issue lies. How do we handle disappointments or issues or problems? How do we handle them when they come? You see this, when disappointment knocks on our door, I believe we have two choices to make. The first one we can make is either this. We can either take it for what it is, let it roll off our backs so we can keep moving in life. Just go, hey, man, that, that's life. Anybody with me? It's life. It's going to happen. Keep moving. Or we can do number two, and we can open up the door mentally and ask it to come in and stay a while. 
See, what happens is that some of us, we have a, we have a disappointment, and, and, man, we just invite that thing to make itself at home. You, you know, we, we say, hey, man, can, you know, go ahead and take off your shoes. Man, can I get you a coat? Can I get you a cup of coffee? I'm so glad you're here because, you know, I really got some things I've been wanting to tell you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Listen, I don't know about you, but I have personally discovered that when I unwisely choose the second option, I not only find myself dwelling on the first disappointment, that particular disappointment, but I find myself dwelling on a whole host of disappointments that I haven't personally dealt with. Y'all get what I'm saying? It's like that thing comes like a freight train right through your living room, right? And what's so wild about it is, is this, is, is you know, you, you, you start thinking about this, and, and then it goes, well, what about that? What about this? What about that? What about this? And then 20 minutes later, you, you kind of find yourself kind of coming back to your senses. And, and you're kind of like you're trying to figure out, man, how in the world did I go from being at perfect peace, having a great day, happy, and now guess what? I am, I am depressed, I'm frustrated, and I'm angry. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? Yes? Rest of you are lying. Anyways. So listen, so how does that happen? Okay, it's what we're just kind of talking off the top here. How does that happen? Remember, it all boils down to how we handle the issue of being disappointed. So watch this. Here's what happens at that moment. When we, when we take the second option, because maybe let me say this. Remember what we said from the first week, that, that the enemy lost all power when he got kicked out of heaven. Right? So... So he doesn't have power in our lives. He can't come and just do whatever he wants. The way he gets access in our lives is simply by us coming into agreement with him. Okay, so take that concept and lay it on this thing right here. Here's what happens. It's the moment that we made the decision to fellowship more with our disappointments than we fellowship with God. Are you hearing me? That, that literally, because we, by dwelling on them rather than bringing them to God and trusting Him with them, but we just sit there and just mold it over and over and over, what happens is, is we unintentionally open up the floodgates for the enemy to ride in on the waves of our disappointments. And what happens is, is when he rides in, he brings his best friend discouragement right on with him. That's how discouragement comes into our lives. It's where we dwell. It's where we dwell on. So let me give you another thought here, okay? So hit pause on that one, and let me give you another thought. While I was studying, I couldn't help but to go, okay, you know, to take a quick overview of the Bible, right? And just thinking about the stories and the men and the women of God in the Bible. And I just, I just thought, you know what, when, when, when Noah uh, was made fun of for 100 years while he was obeying God and building the ark, that might have been a little bit discouraging, <laughs> Right? To be made fun of for, you know, you're talking about, you, you know, listen, you know, somebody goes to school and they get bullied, but can you imagine everybody in the world bullying you, right? Might be a little bit discouraging. So, you know, thinking about Joseph, you know, here's this guy, he had a God dream and was sold into slavery shortly afterwards. Might have been a little bit discouraging. You, you know, I thought about when, when Moses' leadership was questioned. Right? The question is leadership ability. The question is so much, they said, man, forget you, man. We're going to go back to Egypt. We'd rather go back to slavery than be led by you. Right? Might be a little discouraging. Right? You know, I thought about this, man. When, when Gideon was sitting there and, man, God shrunk that big old army to 300 little bitty army, that might have been a little bit discouraging. Thought about when David returned home from battle. Victory, right? He got victory in battle. And when he came home, he discovered along with all of his men 
that all their wives and children have been kidnapped. And not only have their wives and children been kidnapped, but guess what? They took all their goods too. They took their stuff, their possessions. And, and what topped it off, if that wasn't bad enough, all of David's men that had been so loyal to him turned around and blamed him for it. And not only did they blame him for it, they said, man, we're going to kill you. That might have been a little bit discouraging. Are y'all following me today? You know, I thought about him sitting there going, man, what about when Elijah, man, here he is, this great moment. He calls down fire from heaven, right? He kills all the prophets of Baal. He's like, ah, the man, right? Just Jesus is moving, right? And then Jezebel goes, hey, in the next 24 hours, I will kill you. Could be a little bit discouraging. To have your greatest moment of ministry and then someone threaten to kill you might not be good. Right? Then I thought about just two more. I thought about Jeremiah. Here's a guy, man, that, that found himself in the bottom of a cistern for doing what? For, for just simply repeating what God said. The man repeated what God said. Right? He prophesied. repeated what God said. And, and they throw him in a hole. That might be a little discouraging. Just a touch. The last one is this. this. Here's Daniel. Right? We all pray. Right? This man prayed and got thrown into a lion's den. Might be a little bit discouraging. Are you all following me here? Here's the simple point that I want to make before we move on. Is that if you and I are going to decide in our heart that we're ever going to do anything great for God, that we want to do something for the kingdom of God, then we will have to contend with discouragement. Not going to get around it. And the reason is because the same devil that was trying to stop them is going to try to stop us. Right? These guys, these guys didn't... Listen, on the same token that they didn't have another God... Right? They, not like they had one God and we got another one. They had a more powerful God and we got a lesser God. No, we got the same God. Right? Yes? That's a, yes. Right? It's the same devil, too, that was moving with them, moving with us. He, he, didn't, he wasn't born, you know, 10 years ago. Right? He'd been around for a while. All right. You guys with me? All right. Let's shift gears here a little bit. I want to give you uh, six signs, six proofs, whatever, six things that may be indicators that you're discouraged. Now... The funny part was this. When I read this to Jen last night, she said, Babe, don't you think they'll know if they're discouraged? <laughs> and then I was discouraged. No, I'm anyway, so. <laughs> you might not know, so I'm going to let you know, all right? <laughs> so listen, in this, there, there is some overlap here, okay? So number one, here we go. The first thing, the first sign, first indicator, and, and basically all, all I want to do is just try to help you identify maybe where the enemy's moving in your life. That's it, okay? Because I don't think all the time, we just think we're having a bad week, but, but I want you to see something here. Number one, here we go. It's called a lack of motivation. A lack of motivation. How do I know if I'm, being, if I'm really battling discouragement? It's because I lack motivation. So, so let me say this. A person who is wrestling with discouragement will lack spiritual movement. Get that? They will lack spiritual movement. So you can get up, you can go to work every day. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about on, on the spiritual side that literally, man, that, that, that you are struggling. It's, it's kind of like this. A, a discouraged person will lose sight of their God dream. It seems like they're stuck in a rut. A, a, a person who's discouraged will not have the necessary determination to persevere and to endure hardship. You get that. If we're going to be believers, we've got to learn how to persevere. We've got to learn how to have endurance. A discouraged person will do barely enough to get by in the areas of spiritual discipline. In other words, I, I, I'll pray enough, study the word enough, worship enough, have a little bit of, hey, Jesus loves you, personal evangelism, a little bit of accountability, just to kind of somehow feel okay. Right? Just know that I'm kind of barely getting by. 
You know, a person that's discouraged, they'll do this. They'll make lame excuses for their inactivity. Y'all have never done that. I've never done that. Listen, that we make excuses of why we just can't do the things that we used to do with great zeal. I just can't do that anymore. Or it's this, it's overall, and maybe this is the, the most, you know, labeling thought here is this, is that overall this individual is consumed with the desire or with the idea of quitting. Listen, that they want to quit whatever they're participating in. If it's attending church, they want to quit it. If it's going to prayer meeting, they want to quit it. If it's going to small group, they want to quit it. If it's serving in children's ministry, they want to quit it. You follow me? If it's, even if it's a relationship where somebody holds me accountable, then guess what? Then, I, then I'll begin to quit it. I won't say I quit it, but I'll, well, I'm just busy. Right? You're busy sitting at home on your couch. Right? So the number, uh, number two, the second sign we're discouraged is this, is we are afraid. We are afraid. Let me maybe say this. Every week we've talked about all this, fear has come up somewhere. And the reason fear has come up in all of these is because God's absent of all these. God's not in them. And so where God's not, fear is. Right? Because God's not fear. God's love. Right? Perfect love casts out fear. So, so anytime, uh, you know, once again, that God is not in something, there's always going to be fear involved. Always. Okay? So, so number two, they're afraid. So a person who is wrestling with discouragement lacks Courage. Do you understand that God wants to infuse us, encourage us, and the devil wants to dis take courage from us? Right? That's what fear is. We lack courage. Are you with me? So a discouraged person will struggle to believe for the impossible. Let me tell you the mindset they have that they literally lower their expectation to almost zero. Why do they do that? They do it to protect themselves. And they think things like this, man, if I, don't, if I don't expect anything out of this relationship, anything out of this opportunity, anything really out of God, th- then when my expectations are met, you know what, maybe I won't be disappointed. And it's kind of almost like this. Maybe a better way of saying it is that they, that they fear the future because they expect to be disappointed. Have you ever had that where you say, man, I'm not even going to pray because I, I don't even think God's going to come through. See, and, and the other thing that's, once again, the telltale sign of all this is, man, these people fear people's opinion. They put more faith in people's opinion than they do in God's Word. We've all done that. Listen, the, the reason discouragement is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is because this. is once again, because it robs us of our courage. And the enemy attacks, us, attacks our courage because he knows if we're afraid, we will not resist him. We won't meet him at the door. We'll pull the cover over our heads. We'll grab our stuff and we'll run and hide and we'll let him have his way. Right? Courage. Listen, I love what Britt Hancock says where he says, Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's what we do in spite of fear. Right? Nowhere does it say we're not going to have emotions. We're going to have emotions, but, but what do I do in that? Can I run to danger? Right? Can I run to danger? Last thing here, and we'll move. If I could put this another way, there's really what the enemy's after. A discouraged Christian is an immobilized Christian. In other words, he removes the threat, right? And what happens is, overall, when discouragement comes knocking on your door, here's really the game that he's after, is he's wanting to get you to quit on your calling. Are you following me? Number three. The third sign we're discouraged is this, is, man, we just want to be left alone. I don't be left alone. See, a person who's wrestling with discouragement will desire to isolate themselves. 
This discouraged person will crawl into their cave, pull once again that cover over their head, close their blinds, turn their cell phone off, man, and refuse to speak to anyone. Why? Because they just want to avoid facing today. It's kind of like this. Either they will sleep all day. Don't act like you ain't ever done this. Either they will sleep all day, or what they'll do is they'll veg out on the couch with their seven pints of Ben and Jerry ice cream, and they'll just binge watch, binge watch uh, Netflix all day. Right? You might be discouraged if. Right? So this kind of person, what happens is they carry a sense of rejection and this silent frustration and a silent anger. Is that true? So let me maybe say this, kind of a thought here before we move to number four. Is do you understand that sometimes the worst person that we need to listen to is ourselves? (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) So listen, because listen, I don't know about you, but when I go running around up there, Everything that I tell myself isn't always the life that I need to hear. Right? And so what happens is, is the enemy knows that. And so he tries to keep us isolated so we do all that negative self-talk. And so what also he does, he tries to keep us locked up in our own little world, you know, with the lights all down, watching TV, doing our thing, eating a bunch of crap we shouldn't be eating. Right? The reason he does that is because if we get out and about, guess what? We might, we just might bump into somebody that could help us. Do you understand that? You, you, you went to Hannaford's just to get another pint of ice cream. You know what I'm saying? And you know you prayed, Lord Jesus, before I go in here, don't let me run to anybody I know. Don't act like you only never prayed that. Maybe it's just me. All right, so, so anyway, go in there, you grab your pint of ice cream, and you're walking up, and you, you, know, you got your hat on, your glasses on, you're trying to do your thing, right? And they say, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. I'm blessed and highly favored. How are you? <laughs> right? Anyways. What happens is, is, you know, you don't even realize it, but that was a God moment. And they're there to encourage you. Why? Because they've been where you're, where you're at. And they can show you how to get up out of that hole. You're following me. Not only that, I, I just believe, man, it's, it's this. And they start talking and you don't want to say anything. And then you start spilling your guts. And what happens is, is, is if you let them, if you let them, they'll step into that authority and they'll break that lie you've been believing. Yeah. Amen? If you let them. Here we go. Number four. The fourth sign we're discouraged is this. And it, all this, once again, it overlaps, goes together, but we're depressed. We're depressed. If you can figure that out between the seven pints. But you're depressed. Listen, because, we're, because we are created for relationship and community, get that, introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. You were created for community. You were created for relationship, right? Because we were, listen, because we were never meant to be isolated, when we isolate ourselves, it's a recipe for depression. It is, every time. So, listen, a discouraged person will, person will do this. They'll act tired. They'll act mopey. They'll act defeated. They'll act like a cloud of, of heaviness is around them. They look like pig pen from, from peanuts, right? They're, man, they're just in a funk, right? It, man, they look like they've been beat down. They're emotionally coming apart. Man, they act as if they can't find any meaning in life. Like, man, nothing is worthwhile. And they think things like this. And they say things like this. Man, nothing ever goes my way. I just can't get ahead. I can't win. I can't do anything right. I'm just depressed, right? It's almost like this, and I know some of y'all, and I'm going to go back to some of y'all's heyday here, all right? But, but the, old, the old theme, uh, their theme, their personal theme song is old Leslie Gore's, It's My Party. 
Now cry if I want to. Cry if I want to. What's that next line? Does anybody know? You would cry too if it happened to you. See, in that, in that, in that song, bless God, that, that is a lie from the enemy. Because the enemy wants you to do this. The enemy wants you to believe that what you're walking through, that old pity party there, that, that you're the only one that that's ever happened to. Right? There's Johnny. And there's Judy, if you remember the song, right? I had to go look it up on YouTube. All right, so. It was either the flesh or the spirit. I'm not quite sure at this moment. But, but listen, it's the only one that, you know, you're the only one that's ever happened to. Man, it's never happened to anyone else. Uh, no one can help you. Nobody's ever been this deep and lived to tell about it, right? And so what you're going to do is you're going to go home and wallow in your self-pity and you're going to die. Y'all never felt like that. Number five, y'all get anything out of this? Number five, here we go. Fifth sign of discouragement is this, is that you're doubtful, that you're doubtful. This is really important because what happens is is a a person who is wrestling with discouragement, they will literally uh, question God's goodness. They'll question God's goodness. Man, this thing is an absolute snowball effect. But, but it's this. The discouraged person will flip back and forth between faith and doubt. They'll literally doubt themselves. They'll doubt God's promises. They'll doubt God's faithfulness. And if you let, if you let yourself stay there long enough, you'll leave in doubt his existence. So true. L- listen, you know, because they're overthinking things, what happens is they, they end up uh, trying to search for other things outside of God to be their source. To be their source of what? Source of life and source of fulfillment. See, I believe that the devil knows that discouragement will rob us of our ability to have faith. And the kingdom operates on faith, right? And so if he can somehow get this tactic really in there good enough and get us worked up, then what he'll do is he'll diminish us, us, diminish us of our spiritual strength. Number six. This, if I could pick one, I would pick this one. Okay, maybe this is just because this is where I go when I get discouraged. Okay, number six. Jen, don't say a word. Here we go. <laughs> number six. The sixth sign that we're discouraged is this, is we're just negative. Man, holy smokes. Amen. Got a buddy. L- listen, a-, a person who is wrestling with discouragement will be this. Man, they'll be a Debbie. They'll be a Debbie Downer. You ever been around those people? Man, you, you know, uh, my, my friends back in Carolina, we just say that, man, they're being a Debbie. And we're not talking about a, a little beautiful Debbie cake. We're, t- we're talking about that other lady, Debbie Downer. Not a girlfriend, Debbie, but anyways, whatever. Anyways, here we go. So listen, a discouraged person will have this. They'll have negative thought patterns. Uh, they'll have an I don't care attitude. Uh, uh, you know, a discouraged person will be disrespectful and unloving. They'll be impatient, and they'll pick up self-destructive habits. That's so true. It, it could be this. It could be I'm going to go drink too much to all the way to I'm going to go eat too much. Right? It, it's self-destructive. It's not that. And, you, and, and we, how many of you guys know we don't never go like eat too much salad? <laughs> right? Who wants a salad? Give me the bag of chips and give me the, the, you know, the gallon of sweet tea and I'll be back later. Right? So anyways. But there's all kinds of destructive habits. That could be pornography. It could be a whole host of things. But it just opens up the door and we run to it. So anyways, but, but here, here's the, maybe the thing that marks this person the most. And maybe it's just me. But, but, man, their favorite thing to do is to complain. What do they complain about? Anything and everything. 
listen, other than all of that, this person's pretty fantastic to hang around. <laughs> so true. Can, can any of you guys relate to any of those six things? Man, I so can. I so can. Oh, so, all right, so let's land this thing here. Give me a few more minutes here. But what, what's the... I was asking myself, man, what's the, what's the end game that the devil has on this? Man, what's he going for? What, what's, he, what's he trying to, how's he trying to cut our legs out from under us? Why is he trying to cut our legs out from under us? And I believe it's this. I believe he's trying to stop what Jesus told us to do in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to read the message version, and then we'll swap over to the NIV. This is what it says. It's Jesus talking to Eugene Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave my theological opinions at the door there. All right, so anyways, he said this. He said, let me tell you why you are here. Good place to listen. He says, you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. That's pretty good. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? And then it says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I love that part. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. I'm going to swap over to verse 16 here in the NIV because I like the way it puts it better. He simply said this, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So watch this. To bring all this in context, here's the point. If the devil can get us discouraged, if he gets to the point where we lose our motivation, where we're afraid and alone, where we're depressed and we're doubtful, where we're full of negativity, where we lose our God seasoning, our God light, right? is snuffed out, uh, then well, guess what will happen? People will not see the amazing God that is in us. Do you understand that? Everybody listen to me. Who has ever, exactly, who has ever been around somebody that's a Debbie Downer and went, man, I wish I could have what they have? (laughs) No, thank you, right? Anybody ever been around a mean Christian that complains and is negative about everything? I don't want what they have. Am I the only one? You know, and to be honest with you, man, that's, um, this week I've talked to two people and that's the kind of Christians that they've encountered. And so they've readily said, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't believe in all of that. And the reason is, is because they've encountered a bunch of discouraged, beat down believers that have not given them the real Jesus. Because once again, I believe if they met the real Jesus, saw a glimpse of him, and they'd run to him. Yeah. You, you know, listen, if, if, that, if that man that lived in the tombs that was ate up with a legion of demons, or as we say in the South, if he was boogered up, <laughs> right? If he, listen, if he was that boogered up, he could still run to Jesus because he wanted him. Yeah. Right? Jesus is good, y'all. Yes. All right, so let's close with a few practical things, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap a bow on this. Series, hopefully. There's a lot more I'd like to cover, but we don't have time. But anyways, so if we're here today and we find ourselves discouraged, how do we overcome it? How do we overcome it? I'm going to give you some really, really practical things here that won't seem super spiritual at the top, but trust me, they, they work. 
Number one, here we go. If you find yourself super, super discouraged, number one, get some rest. I'm telling you, this is practical. It's practical. We, we try to make everything hooky-pooky all the time, but sometimes it's just practical stuff, right? I have noticed in my own life when I am really, really, really discouraged, it's because I've been running 100 miles an hour and haven't stopped to rest, right? And so the first thing I do is I go get some sleep. Can I get a witness? The second thing I do when I wake up is I go, number two, and I go wait on him. I, I, I go, I, I dive into word, I dive into worship. Once again, I don't have to wait till I come to church. Worship is much better at home. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I love worshiping Jesus. But, but, but listen, I, or I'll go pray, and guess what? And I'll just, because why? I got some rest. Now I need to encounter him. I need him to rejuvenate me, right? I need to get with him and knock off all that negative thinking and, and let him do this next thing. Number three is I just need to get a proper perspective, right? Most of the time when I'm discouraged, my perspective is off. You, you know, in fact, let me say this to you guys that think your life is just garbage, Okay? I remember, and I've told you this before, I had, a, I had a person tell me one time, it was in fact a group of us Bible school students, we were in, man, Podunk, Mississippi, and um, this guy said, we were, we were about to leave the church with the service there the night before, and he goes, uh, young men, what do you think my favorite book of the Bible is? You know, I'm, I remember the one I said, I told you this before, I said, First Samuel, that was my favorite, so I just said it, right? And he's like, nope, 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 nope. I was like, man, this dude grumpy. Anyways, then he, then he was saying, my favorite book of the Bible is Job. <laughs> Who picks Job to be their favorite book, right? But he said this, and I thought, man, there's a great bit of wisdom in that. He said, because it is a reminder that it could always be worse. <laughs> That's perspective. Yeah. It's so often, once again, we go in that hole and out, but it could always get worse. Amen? Amen. Number four. We need to learn to think on the right things. Remember what got yourself in that hole is you just sat down for 20 minutes and thought about all the negative. And when you sat down and thought about all the negative, the devil obliged you with a whole dose of discouragement. So, So we need to do what the Bible says. Write down this verse. It's not on screen. Philippians 4, 8. It says, Finally, brethren and sistren, says, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate. Think on these things. That's how you keep yourself from going down the deep, dark hole of discouragement. It's really that simple. Because, in fact, let me just say this. Number five here. And I'm going to give you a few more thoughts. But number five is we, know, we need to learn how to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Yeah. If you go read some of the Psalms, you read about Asaph, if you read about David, uh, time and time again, they'll start off and they'll roll off about ten verses of how their life is just awful. Yeah. And then they'll say, but then we remembered the faithfulness of the Lord. And then they start rattling off and reminding themselves of who God is and everything that God's done. And they went from absolute discouragement, they end the psalm with praise. That's how we get out of the hole. Right? 
Listen, here's what I do personally. When I feel like I'm in the dumps, when I go spend time with God, I begin to just, I I don't go in there and ask, God, help me me be happy. God, help me make, make me feel better. No, no, I just begin to praise him and thank him for who he is, what he's done. And that's it. I quote the Bible of, God, this is who you said you are. And what happens is, is when I begin to extol him and exalt him, he gets a whole lot bigger. My problem gets a whole lot smaller. Amen? Instead of going in there complaining and griping, once again, fellowshipping with my issue and let that thing grow, right? We let God grow. All right. That's the end of that. Let me give you a quick revelation. Are you guys okay? Give me like literally like three minutes and we'll be done. Um, Just kind of put a bow on this whole series, Overcomers. Think about these thoughts. The first, uh, you know, obviously in the Bible there is hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. In other words, when, when Jesus, Son of God, comes, here's the things he will do. The very first prophecy that's in the Bible, some of you guys know this, is Genesis 3.15. And in that prophecy, basically it speaks of spiritual warfare and ultimately it speaks of the defeat of Satan and his kingdom. Get that. The very first prophecy ever spoken about Jesus is one about victory. You get that? It's nothing. It's it's victory. And and it's, it's this. It simply says that Jesus will crush the head of the enemy. I love that. He will crush the head. The head is obviously represents the leader of the kingdom of darkness. That he will crush the head of the enemy and the enemy will bruise his heel. He stepped on him. So here's what's so awesome. Listen, guys, about this is that that means that for us, that as joint heirs with Christ, we're one with him, we're the bride of the Christ, that the moment that he overcame the enemy, we overcame him as well. That's good news, right? And it's this, that, that we have the great privilege in partaking in that victory. And here's what's so cool is, is, is you've got to wrap your head around this. Is Jesus didn't come to win this victory for himself. He didn't need it. He won it for us. Do you get that? So, so, so this may sound silly, but it's almost like if, if, I came, if I came, you know, to Mr. Larry's house and I said, Hey, Mr. Larry, here's your brand new truck. Here's the keys. And, and, and basically walked off. And then he's sitting at home going, well, I sure do wish we had a ride somewhere. I sure would like to go to Hannaford's to get a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I wonder how many of you guys are going to go eat some Ben and Jerry's later. <laughs> anyway, but, but, but listen, he's sitting there going, you know, I, man, I sure do wish. And the whole time he's got the keys right there. All he has to take the keys and go get, get in the car and go, right? So I wish I could overcome this sin. Wish I could overcome this problem. Wish I could overcome this depression, this discouragement. You got the keys, y'all. You got the keys. Use them. Let me give you this last thought, and we'll, and we'll close here. Two thoughts. I got one more I forgot. <laughs> I'm in a rare form today. Here we go. So, listen, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians. It says, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. That word always tells us anytime, anywhere, any moment we need victory, it's available. Y'all get that? We just got to learn how to walk in it. That's the, that's the tough part. It's called the walk of the spirit, not the walk of the flesh. Because there's no victory in the flesh. Last thing, last thought, just kind of bring it more home. Jesus said this. He said basically that he received all authority, right? That the Father gave it to him. It says that in Matthew 28. They received all authority. That all authority means, guess what? That, that he is completely overcome. 
Once again, everything. I know I'm kind of pounding the same thought here, but listen, the, the thought that I want you to walk away from today, if you don't get anything, is to understand that the one who is the overcomer, the moment you ask him to be the Lord and Savior of your life, he came to live inside of you. The victor, the overcomer, dwells within you. That's good news. We just need to get out of his way and let him be himself. Amen? Stand to your feet, please. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to simply pray for you. And um, if, you, if you would like prayer today, our ministry team will be down here, and they'll be more than happy to pray for you. So you guys that have been coming down kind of praying, uh, you can come. Uh, you can go ahead and come down if you want. So these guys are available to, for prayer. So let's just pray. Father, we just ask today in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you first and foremost, God, for every person that's here. Lord, I thank you for their heart for you. Uh, Lord, I thank you today. We thank you today, God, that you have made us overcomers. God, that you have said today, God, that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I'm asking today, God, that you would crown us with more of a revelation to understand that. God, that we would live from victory and uh, instead of continuing to strive for it, hoping for it, wishing for it, but we would understand that the one who is the victor lives inside of us. And so, Lord, we just give you permission one more time, God, that if there is any ounce of a religious spirit that's in us, God, that you would uproot it. God, if there's anything of a poverty mindset, God, that you would uproot it. God, if there's anything of confusion and guilt, that you would uproot it. God, if there's any area where the enemy has been able to come and discourage us, Father, we pray, God, even now, God, that every one of those thoughts would be taken captive in Jesus' name. And, God, that you would flood our minds with the things that are of you. And, Lord, we pray, God, that you would begin to fix our gaze and fix our eyes, God, on things that are heavenly and not on the things that are, that are here in this earth. And, Lord, I, I just pray for all of us today, God, that we would have the courage to meet the enemy at the front door. God, that we would quit being passive. God, that we would quit being unaware. But, Lord, that we would begin to fight and take our ground and take our stand in Jesus' name. So, Lord, whatever you need to do in our heart today, God, we give you full permission to do it and to change us, God, so we can be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on.